Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. She's able to take the sides off, basically, into small little bits that she ingests, and she's too dumb to understand that she cannot pass these in any other way but vomiting. Now, dogs vomiting, as we've said many times, is different than people vomiting. Dogs stand there, heave, vomit, move on. Right, ready they're to go. Not, they're unaffected by this. They don't go, oh, am I sick? Oh, do I have to go to bed? No, they simply move on. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. It's one of the good things about being a dog. You don't <laughs> worry too much about vomiting. I wish Chessie could come to our house and teach that to the hammer. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, he, yeah. Mom! Oh, no, yeah, it's... Rough. Project, the dogs don't, oh, they also don't projectile vomit. No, they really don't. It's go right in the street or right. in your house. And then they look up door. and they're like, yeah, what's next? What yeah, are we doing? Go. All right. Um, so I'm going to start with some emails that we got just last night and yesterday. I went to Delaware this weekend. I played in the MLI, the Metro Lewis Invitational. My team finished minus four. We were fourth in a field of 10. I played okay on the front, didn't do much, couldn't help at all on the back. But, you know, those things happen. I had a very good time. It was a Sea Witch Festival, which is an enormous Halloween parade down Rehoboth Avenue to the degree that they have 150,000 people for this parade. So when you leave your house with your car, do not expect to come back in an hour or so and find a parking spot. Because 87 people have vied for your spot. And it's just, it's, it's a lovely thing. I had nothing to do with it because I was playing golf, but everyone says it's lovely. Anyway, one of the things that I did early in the morning on Saturday was go to the grocery store, the Fresh Market store, because I knew that Carol was not going to be able to get out and get anything to eat, you know, and come back to the house. It's not going to be possible. Did you go up the service road up by CVS? Cross Highway? No, I went out Robinson Lane and made a left, um, and and made a left off the, you know, right by the CVS, a left, and then a left into the Fresh Marketplace, and then came out by that amusement park, that water park. What's that called, the water park? Mm, Huh? Jungle Gym. It's not Adventureland? Anyway, so I'm parking the car. I park the car. I get out of the car. I go shopping. True story. I get back in my car. Someone rolls up rolls down his window and says, I know who you are, and <laughs> pulls out a TK sticker. Oh, well, that's lovely. Dear Tony and friends, this Saturday morning while down in Rehoboth, my wife and I made an early morning trip to the grocery store to pick up some breakfast items. I dropped her off at the store and went over to fill up our car at the gas station next door. The gas station is either the Wawa or the Exxon. I returned to the grocery lot, and while navigating to the front of the store, I waited for an older gentleman to cross in front of my car as he made his way to his own. Shrouded in a large dark overcoat with a baseball cap pulled low. I almost didn't recognize the man whose podcast I listened to religiously. <laughs> it was only after glancing in my rearview mirror to see him getting into a finely crafted German automobile <laughs> that I was sure it was him. <laughs> my mind raced. It was too late to shout La Cheeserie or to throw out a TK salute, so I acted impulsively and quickly swung my car around the lot and pulled into the spot right next to Tony's car. I rolled down my passenger window, made the universal sign requesting he rolled down his as well. He did. All I could muster was a good morning, Tony. He returned the sentiment to which I told him I was a fan and asked if I could show him something. Skeptically, he said, sure, and I quickly hopped out of my car, walked around the back to pull my TK Show bumper magnet off the car to show him. 
When I was between our cars, I simply said, I know you hate my car, to which he glanced and noted, oh, a Subaru. <laughs> then I showed him my magnet that I proudly affixed the day I purchased the car. Upon seeing the magnet, Tony's face lit up immediately. He thanked me for listening, told me it's the Subaru commercials that are bad, not the actual people that drive them. Knowing the story might not be believed by my father and brothers, all fellow littles, I asked if he would mind a quick picture. Uh, not only did he oblige, but even got out of his car for a quick selfie. We chatted for a moment about his weekend plans, golf, and how he was out picking up some food for Carol. <laughs> we then got back into our cars and went our separate ways. I write this now to show my appreciation. Although it was only a brief interaction, I was totally floored by Tony's willingness to appease a random fan on a chance meeting. Made my weekend made me think of how often Tony references the connective tissue of his show, when he is in fact that connective tissue. Thank you not only for our interaction, but all the entertainment you bring us littles. Tom Isle. P.S. The cherry on top was my wife informing me that she was two people behind Tony in the grocery store line. And he was holding it up because he only had cash. And the store couldn't break a 50. Classic TK. So let me tell you the story about that. I, I have, I go in there and I buy stuff and it's going to come to about 20 bucks. And I want to I change a 50. Sure. I don't want to give away a 20. And the woman says to me, I can't do it. Someone just cleaned me out, gave me a $100 bill. And I don't have any change. And then a guy right behind me says, and he's, you know, not my age, big guy, probably in his 40s. He's mm -hmm. got his wife and maybe a kid, says, I can change the 50. And he says, do you have a 10? I say, yeah, he gives me two, three 20s for a 50 and a 10. I give her a 20. That's exactly what happened. And just so people know. Another one here. Please don't hold, me, hold this against me, but my daughters both drive Subarus, and they are so obnoxious. Brilliant, but obnoxious. Greetings from the Commonwealth of Virginia. My name is Rhett Butler. Yes, that's really my name, and I'm not the one you think I am from Rockville. <laughs> I've been a fan and a reader of Tony since the bandwagon days. We truly had Utopia with Gibbs' teams, the Hoyas, Lefty, Ralph Sampson, and the O's of the early 80s. Your, your columns were synonymous with all of them in this great era. I've listened on WTEN, then ESPN Radio, and now The Pod. You and Mike Wilbon have given us all a little feel of home wherever our lives took us on PTI, familiar faces and voices that paved the way for so many around you. I enjoy every minute of him on NBA coverage as well and for the same reasons. Thank you both for that. My late mother's best friend growing up in the Shenandoah Valley is Liz Hilton, who worked for the great Catherine Graham, a true legend who needs no introduction, but this was another connection to you in the post that I read religiously and still do. My first question to Liz when I met her was about you and not Catherine. She thought this was great. Your columns about your own father still resonate, and I always wanted to thank you for sharing so much about someone who clearly meant everything to you. I've reflected on them years later when I lost my dad. Imagine my happiness when I tuned into the podcast for the first time and heard you with Michael talking about Columbia, Penn Golf, and the local golf landscape that I've been a part of my entire life. Those are my favorite days of the show. I would be extremely honored, and it would be my pleasure to host you and Michael and your guests anytime to Kinlock. We, we can play Kinlock so much, we can own Kinlock. I'm a member there and at Creighton Farms in Aldi, Virginia, numbers, number one and three in Virginia by my calculations. I understand that many of my fellow members at Kinlock have reached out, so if you stack this one up like boxes of Skechers or X chairs, I'll understand. <laughs> the course looks spectacular right now after perfectly timed aeration in September, and the fall colors are truly amazing. Thank you again for providing so many great things throughout your career. This is, I can't. I say this all the time, that I can't begin to tell you how touching these things are. But they are. People are reaching out just say, to say, here, you, you talked about this. I can make this happen for you. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really nice. I don't think this happens when you're a writer in a newspaper. <laughs> and I know it doesn't. <laughs> I don't think it happens necessarily on television. Yeah. I think the distance between you and the audience in television is wider and colder 
than on radio or podcast. Don't you think? Totally. You now, know. what happened to the ice cream when you were taking this uh, selfie outside of the car? Did it melt? I didn't have any ice cream. I didn't, oh. buy, I didn't buy any Tillamook. And I've, I'm out of uh, mudslides, so I've got to go to the store and buy some. I didn't do that. I just bought some ba- a baguette and some ham and some pistachio nuts of 20% off. <laughs> Jacked up to 50% Yeah, well, I'm trying to figure over. out how you got up into the 20s for this, uh, for this total. Um, fresh ham, fresh turkey, a baguette, pistachio nuts. Okay, well, the deli meat alone will get you. Got about, me to 1970 yeah. something. Yeah. 1974. Yeah, you don't want to burn a 20 on that. One more from Ben Hartmeyer in Washington, D.C. Of all the things to get me to write into your show after so many years, I never would have believed that it would stem from your traffic talk in Ohio. However, my David Aldridge moment that occurred on Friday's podcast was too irresistible. When Matt from Winslow, Maine began updating you on the new Waterville, Maine traffic patterns, I thought, Waterville, Maine? This is my time to shine. See, I was born and raised mere blocks from your house, my, my house many years ago on Rittenhouse Street, and graduated from Colby College in Waterville, Maine. You may remember me from the chatter days where my Colby sweatshirt prompted you and the crew to begin discussing the three main colleges, Bowdoin, Bates, and Colby. This interaction and our conversation after the taping led to me getting an internship on the PTI show. Those are some of the best working hours of my life, but I will never forget when you turned to me one day while preparing for a show and said, well, you really know a lot about sports. I mean, what the blank else is there to do in Maine? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) as Halloween is only a few days away, so this is before this, I hope you're once again prepared for the mayhem that is Chevy Chase, D.C. A few years ago, my parents decided to switch to full-size candy bars in order to keep track of how many trick-or-treaters they got. Their number was over 1,000 last year, and they are fully loaded from Monday with 1,104 candy bars. As always, thanks to you and the gang for laughs. Ben, Cliffy, Hartmeyer. That's so nice. I have one other thing to do in this. I'm not going to do Kyrie Irving. I'm not. I'll just say this as quickly as I can. Kyrie Irving is endorsing hate speech. Okay, there's no other way to look at it. Hate speech. And when he says, I'm an omnist, whatever in God's name an omnist is, and I respect everybody, he's endorsing hate speech. At this point, if I owned and ran the Brooklyn Nets, a borough of New York City with a significant Jewish population, if I owned and ran the Brooklyn Nets, I would quiche on this guy. I would say, I'll pay you whatever I have to pay you, but you're never playing here again. You're never on this bench again. You can buy a ticket. But we're never playing you. And then I would announce who wants him. And I would trade him if I could make that trade. That's what I would do. I go to my house in Delaware. I'm calm now. That was just a non-calm moment. But that's, he's, it's understandable. come on. Yeah. Come on. Yes. Um, I go to my house in Delaware and I notice that there's a bag, a little red bag, sort of a maroon bag on the table where you come in and you drop the keys. You know what I'm talking about, Michael? Yes. We drop the keys. And I don't recall ever seeing it. Don't recall ever seeing it. And I open it up. And there's two pair of readers from a drugstore. 2.5 intensity. And I put them on. And they're great. And, you know, I can put them in any room in the house. I can go from room to room and always have glasses. Because when you need to wear glasses to read things, you got to carry them around. And I look at the note. Dear Mr. Tony, in light of your eyeglass dilemma, a little something we can do. Two littles, Sheldon and Claudia, Capitol Hill and Dewey Beach. And the date on it is March 7th, 2022. 
I must have taken these in from the porch as I took in the tie from Kate from the porch and never looked into it. I must have never looked into this bag. Is that unbelievable? Only because you have to pass this table every time you enter the house. But you probably, at a certain point, you probably expected to see it and thought mom brought it in. I don't, yeah, I, but I never looked into it. I didn't know there were glasses in it. I didn't know what was in it. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 guess I could have been using these things since March. Yeah. It's now going to be November tomorrow. <laughs> I could have used these things. They're nice. Sort of tortoise shelly. That's you nice. Know, sort of nice. It's lovely. I guess we were talking about you. Did you discuss a vision issue back in, back in March? I, I guess? don't know. Has 2.5 a good strength? It's the highest strength. You know, the next strength is legally blind. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a, yeah, 2.5 is good. So, and I, I don't... Can always I, help you read the spice labels. <laughs> right. Right. I don't need glasses to drive, and I don't need glasses to see, and I don't need glasses on the prompter, but I need glasses on writing. Right. Small writing, typed writing. I can't read the emails, can't read texts without glasses. March. I took... You know, and the other part is, why do people come to my house with this stuff? <laughs> you know, the, I mean, but I... That's you know. a separate issue, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's the beginning of the show. It's Halloween. Um, God bless you all. Good luck. <laughs> what, would, what would be the best Halloween costume you could see during the World Series tonight? Would you know what I'm going as today? A little preview? What? I, can I say this out loud? I shouldn't do it. Yeah, don't no, say it. No, no. Let's make it a don't surprise. Say it. Okay. What would be the best? I don't know. What do you think the best? I don't know. I, just, I love when you get a sports event on and Halloween. And people dress up. People well, they dress dressed up. up at the football games yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, sure. People dressed up all over but the place. But in Philly, what would be the best one? A cheesesteak. You would go as a cheesesteak or a pretzel with mustard on your head. What would you think? Jonathan Papelbon. Jonathan <laughs> Papelbon. <laughs> Rocky's too obvious. Yeah. yeah, Rocky's a bit obvious. Yeah. Okay. Jonathan Papelbon. We'll take a break. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Mexico. It's by a woman whose name is pronounced Oncha Duvukat. It's sent to us by Michael Granberry from the Dallas Morning News, who writes, I have another terrific artist for you. Her name is pronounced Ancha Duvukat. And this much I know, Ancha Duvukat and another of my favorites, Jackson Brown, have much in common aside from the fact that both were born in Heidelberg, Germany. Jackson's father was a U.S. serviceman stationed there in 1948 when Jackson was born. Although younger, Ancha is, like Jackson, an exemplary songwriter and storyteller whose songs are powerful and at times deeply personal, not to mention memorable. Now based near Boston, Ancha has, according to the Boston Globe, quote, gotten hotter faster than any local songwriter in recent memory. Her songs feel at once fresh-faced and firmly rooted, driven by the whispery sensuality of her voice. She believes in the redemptive power of the shared secret and is utterly unafraid to mine the darkest corners of her life for songs that turn fear into resilience and isolation into community. That's pretty good writing. It is. I'm not sure it's even equal, though, to her voice. She's amazing. She's really good. Ancha 
Davukot, A-N-T-J-E-D-U-V-E-K-O-T. We'll play her later in the show. She plays in Michael Wilbon. Wilbon and I had a couple of conversations last night because we watched a game that, at least I watched it on Red Zone, I guess Mike did too, that you didn't expect to be any good at all. A game that you thought would be on for 10 seconds and then it would be over. Atlanta, Carolina, two stinking teams from a stinking division. Yeah. And the last quarter and the overtime of that game produced 300 points. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of that? You were, well, you were Go ahead. That's the glory of watching all of the NFL, not just your team. You know, tone back when you were watching only the Washington football team. That's right. And I would say to you, dude, <laughs> that, that's like not it. Red Zone brings you into everything. That's, that's the glamour and the power of the NFL uh, that no other sport really has. That you can watch, you can get involved yeah. in some game between two teams you wouldn't even give the time of day. And so that was one of them. So that was one of them. If, you, and, if you're uh, not familiar with what happened, um, Atlanta is winning this game. Okay, They are up by six points with almost no time to go. And P.J. Walker, that's the name of the Carolina quarterback yeah. who got in there to sub for Baker Mayfield, throws a deep ball down to the one, down to the two. 62 yards. Right? Caught, into the end zone. Caught, into the end zone. Caught by D.J. Moore. Caught. caught. Maryland's own. They're going to win the game. They're going to kick the point. They're going to win the game in the last second. Everybody's going crazy. Why don't you pick up the rest of the story, Mike? Well, Mr. D.J. Moore... <laughs> We had talked about him a lot in my house on Saturday as we talk about the Chicago Bears being a team that's going to have more money than you know any team next year for free agency to surround finally Justin Fields. And Matthew was screaming, Dad, D.J. Moore, he's like 25 years old. He's a great receiver for Carolina. And he's going to be a free agent. We should go after him. I'm like, where are you getting this? He goes, D.J. Moore, Dad, D.J. Moore is great. This is Saturday night. And then all of a sudden, DJ Moore is on my screen in my house watching. We're watching. Matthew and I are watching. And he gets up after making this spectacular Gonna win the game. catch to, win, to apparently win the game 35-34. That's right. And he just takes his helmet off. He cannot resist. He's got to celebrate. He's got to run and jump into the stands, even though the game was in Atlanta. He's got to run and jump into the stands and snatch his helmet off and celebrate right now. Except there's been a rule. I don't know how long it's been a rule. We'll find out later. We'll have somebody look it up. I'm thinking there's been a rule for at least 10 years. I agree. 10 years. You cannot snatch your helmet off. It's a stupid rule. But it's the rule. But it's the rule. It's a rule designed by the NFL to keep people other than a few quarterbacks, golden boy quarterbacks, from actually being recognized. And so you have to pay them more money if they're recognized. And they don't want that. They want to be able to have replacement games. So they don't want people taking off their helmets. And DJ Moore flung his helmet off, and you, I, I started screaming, oh, my God, they've got to penalize him 15 yards. Yes. Boom, they do. And so now... You have to kick the point after from, from 48. 48. Yeah. And he missed it. And by the he way, misses it Eddie wide. Pinero. That's the Bears kicker. That's the double doinker, right? No. No, 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 no. Eddie Pinero's so. not the double doinker. 
I think so. No, uh, Cody Parkey's the double doinker. Oh, that wasn't Cody Parkey? No, this was, this was Eddie Pinero, who then missed another okay. one. He in the overtime. overtime. You're on the phone. I'm on the and phone. And I said, to... cut him now. Don't even let him go home. Cut him. Uh, no, you cut. You, 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 you. Cut him. DJ Moore. Seriously. So Carolina loses doing? the and game. I had to root against him. I'm rooting against him. And Matthew's like, Dad, he's local. Why are you rooting against him? Because he's a fool. That's right. He's a fool. And if you defend him, you're a fool. Yeah. So. And I want... Two generations of fools who have to celebrate and put everything on Instagram. I want them to lose today. And they lost. And they lost. They lost. And so, and that was a game that you never figured you'd be involved in. In the late window, the game that stood out for me is the San Francisco-LA game. Now, San Francisco beats LA all the time in regular season and loses in the playoffs. But you can see, Mike... You can see that Kyle Shanahan, because Debo Samuel wasn't even out there. He was inactive. You can see that with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, that team's going to get real good real quick. Don't you think? And Ayute. Yes. And and, uh, Kittle. George Kittle. (laughs) Don't you think that's going to be a good team? It's not going to be a good team. We knew the moment they made the trade. It is a good team. Start playing. It's a good team. I, I mean, you know, they. Still messed around and lost a couple of games. They, should, they lost to the Bears for God's sake. They did, um, but they—they're not—they're not great yet. They're not whole. They're not there. Nope. But offensively, they've got the weapons to be completely unstoppable. I, I agree with a coach who who will design stuff. Yeah, he's he not afraid how to put all that to use. And he's so, Kyle Shanahan, not afraid. Learn from his daddy. Yeah, not no, afraid. He's a great offensive mind that has been that. Yeah. Not a, not for a afraid. long time. So if we were we're halfway through the season now, what is the Wilbon Power Index, the WPI? Well, Rank the I, top it's been five. The same. It's been the same for weeks now. It's Philadelphia Eagles one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Buffalo Bills two. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs must be in a bye week. Yes. Kansas City Chiefs three. I think. That's it. Okay. Now, so I would, I would have those same three teams. I would personally change the order of those teams, but I would have those same three teams. Yeah. And after that, there would be a gulf. Yep. And I would actually think that the next team that I would put Might in— Might be the New York Giants? No, no, even weirder than that, because I'm going to pick the most overrated team in football year oh, after Dallas year. Cowboys. Yes, what do you think? Yeah, yep, yep. I think you know what, and I'm not even saying there's a golf anymore. I mean, they, you know, they beat a they beat a team that's bad still right now, but a team that's feisty and figuring it out. I mean, I sat there and watched the Bears give up 49 yesterday, which is which in that city is sinful. That that you know, I, I'm calling for the defensive coordinator to get fired. I don't really mean that, but but they beat a feisty team yesterday. They came back from 28. 28-23 with the ball. And before that fumble they're showing on TV, uh, our running back, 32. Yeah. Um, before that, you know, the Bears are driving, and it looks like, oh, my God, could they actually come back and take the lead in this game? And they're not ready for that yet because they're still figuring it out, and they, they, gotta, they, gotta, they got all this money, and they have to go buy some linemen next year to protect Justin Fields. But they're, they're figuring it out, and, and, and in, a, in, a, in a way, I'm not going to say it's like Kyle Shanahan. 
But all of a sudden, you know, they scored 31, well, essentially 31, because they went for two twice, which was stupid. Head coaches are just stupid in the NFL. This, this obsession with going for two is moronic. It's as stupid as DJ Moore. But nobody calls out ex-players and ex-coaches who all talk about the NFL on TV, who all play. They don't call out coaches for anything. And that's the, that's the flaw in the coverage of that sport. These stupid go-for-twos. So the Bears go for two twice, but they had 31 points essentially on Dallas, in Dallas. After running up 33 and like 23 in a row on New England, in New England last week. So the Cowboys beat what's still a bad team, but they, they put it to them. They played. And they got chased a little bit after the first quarter of that game. Did Cowboys... so I would put the Cowboys four. I, I, might, I might also. But I don't... All the teams that we have come to depend upon in recent years, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, last well, year the Tampa Los Bay, Angeles Rams, Tennessee, you know, Indianapolis, they're they're all, it's over. Old. I don't, I'm not giving them that kind of love. You're giving them that Who? kind of credit. Tennessee's been good two years. Yeah, that's they're what I'm saying, in the they're last not, couple not, of years. Not, Indianapolis. Not blue blood? Well, no. This is not, you know. No, I mean, they're no, not blue in, bloods. No, New Orleans. They've been good for a while, and they're, they're gone. They're like 500 teams well, they pop or up below. They're not, they're, they pop up and they get smacked down. I mean, they're not the others. And the Cowboys aren't even the others because they look like not dogs yet. most years. They're not. Not yet. No. And you know what? No. I'm gonna put, I, I tell you what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the, P, the, the WPI. Uh, Philly 1. Right. Buffalo two, right. Dallas three, okay, Kansas. Kansas City four. Okay, I don't. I, Dallas is good. Yeah, Dallas is good, and and I, you know, I mean, they beat back a team they should be back at home yesterday. But you know, Kansas City still has some moments that make me go, eh, really. I like Kansas City. I, I like them. I like them. I do. I I said in the open of the show I was going to be very brief on this, and I was in the open. Kyrie Irving, yeah. what would you do with him? Um, I, I've, I've, you know, Kyrie Irving is an enormous topic of conversation in the circles that I live in. Uh, one, to cover basketball for the network we work for. And two, just because, you know, the, the people that my closest friends and relatives, uh, black men, care about the NBA more than anything else. And Kyrie Irving is a guy who's a lightning rod in that culture, and in that circumstance more than anyone else. And you, in the famous words of Mike Singletary, you can't have him. Can't win with him. And he's, he's, he's a pox. He's a cancer. He's toxic. He's, I actually think he's dangerous. And I typed, those, I typed that, those, those, those letters to Stephen A. Smith last night. Stephen A. Smith is, Stephen A. got it right last year. He said on the opening night of the season, Golden State will win the championship. When no one was saying that. People were saying the Lakers and Brooklyn and all this stuff. Stephen A. said Golden State. Stephen A. has said this year, Brooklyn will win the championship, and I have said to him on the air already many times, no, they will not. They will not come close to winning anything because they are dysfunctional mess. And any team now, since LeBron James has thrown Kyrie Irving off the team, and that was like 2016, so there's been some time, any team with him cannot win because he is a fraud, and I think he's dangerous. 
I think there's actually some evil in him. And I, I, I used to like him a lot. I used to talk to him. I used to listen to him. I used to think he was playful when he would say stuff like the earth is flat because I knew he didn't mean it, or at least I thought he didn't. I think he meant it. I think he meant it. I think in hindsight he and meant so it. And so now this latest thing just underscores all the things I'm saying about Kyrie Irving. You can't have him. Yeah, I, what I said was I would quiche on him, I would pay him, but I would say you cannot be on this team anymore, and I would say to the league, who wants him, we'll make a deal. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I think, I Tony, I think yours is the best suggestion that I've heard. I mean, but they did that this summer, and nobody took him, at well, least not to their right. liking so, in terms of a deal. They let, did that. Let me just say this. If nobody wants him and you're stuck paying for him because you brought him in, right. then you're stuck paying for him. Yeah. Because that was your choice. Yeah. I, I Yes. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, you should have known this last year when he said, I'm not going to play in any home games. You should have known this three years ago when they first allowed him and Kevin Durant to just say, we're going to form our own union in the team. <laughs> yeah. We don't really care what you have. And quote Kyrie Irving, we don't need a coach. Right. He needs a coach more than anybody. Except he doesn't apparently, apparently, listen to anyone. He keeps his own counsel exclusively, and he's a fraud. He thinks he's smarter than everybody, and he's, God knows he's not. He thinks he's more literate than everybody, and God knows he's not. He thinks he lives his life in some exemplary way, and God knows he doesn't. And you can't have him. And I'm told that Kevin Durant shakes his head now and says, oh, my God. And he doesn't finish the sentence out loud publicly. But the people who are in the know say the, oh, my God, is, really? How did I do I this? I left the stability. How did I do this? And the resourcefulness <laughs> and the even sometimes brilliance, though drama, too, of Golden State for this? Yeah. yeah. And so this is what Kyrie Irving has wrought. And now, you know, I mean, I, what do you do if, you, if you're in New York City of all places and you've got somebody posting can't anti-Semitic do Semitic garbage? Can't do it. Not in Brooklyn, New York? In, in Brooklyn, you New York? Are you kidding me? Can't what? do it. Can't do and it. And so, I mean, and so, and he had the nerve, did he? I think he said something like, you know, Kanye or Ye is an absolute fool. He and Kanye are now in a social media beef about who's a bigger fool, who's more <laughs> stupid. There's room for both in the all-stupid camp. Uh, I, I will, uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will come back with Mark Feinstein. We'll get to the World Series. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. We are back with Anta Duvakat, who, in the words of Michael Granberry, is racking up songwriting awards. Her honors include the grand prize in the John Lennon Songwriting Competition, the Best New Folk Award 
at the legendary Kerrville Folk Festival, whose previous honorees include Lyle Lovett and Robert O'Keefe, and the Boston Music Award for Outstanding Folk Act, which just happens to be three of the top prizes in the universe of singer-songwriters. One more thing, in 2007, Bank of America featured Anche's song Merry-Go-Round in the national TV advertising campaign, seen by millions, including the Super Bowl people who watched that. This is called Caffeinated Warriors. At the end of the show, you can hear her sing by herself without me drowning out the beauty of her voice as she plays in Mark Feinsand. And we'll start with, first of all, shout out to you on all of the uh, Aaron Judge stuff with the Giants and all of that stuff. So that was good. Would you have expected 1-1? It is 1-1 satisfying going into Philadelphia. I think it has to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think when you look at the pitchers that were being thrown out there in the first two games, nothing would have surprised me because the idea of any of them going out there and pitching a great game and winning is certainly within well within reach. Right. Uh, I think if you had told me it was going to be 1-1 because Justin Verlander blew a 5 nothing lead, I probably would be a little bit surprised. Uh, but going into Philly, I, I thought that if Philly could steal one in Houston – we got a series, and so going into Game 3, I think we got a series. So I was surprised, I think everyone was surprised in Game 1 with the failure of the Houston bullpen and Verlander's failure, though his World Series record is terrible. Game 2 is sort of what I expect from every game, and in fact, Game 2 is what Game 1 started out to be. Houston jumps out, Houston holds on, they win the game, right? Isn't that what we think the series is going to be? Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's funny, game three to me, <clears throat> coming in, I was thinking, well, the Phillies need to be up two to one going into game four, because game four is going to be a bullpen game for them, and they're going to have to, you know, sort of figure it out. Well, instead, game three is the bullpen game for them. And so uh, I actually don't think game three is as crucial uh, as I might have thought before, because if the Phillies lose game three, well, they're coming back with Suarez, who's pitched well, and... um I mean, Javier pitched great against the Yankees, but he usually pitches great against the Yankees. Really good pitcher, but but certainly not as good as Valdez and certainly not as good as uh, as Verlander, non-World Series Verlander anyway. Right. Um, I just feel like the Phillies are in a position here to win one of these next two, and and then you go to Game 5 with the, you know, the rematch, and, and you know, Verlander's going to have to win a game here to, uh, you know, to, to make the Astros... Uh, champion. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. I, I'm really excited to see what the, the ballpark looks like tonight. Uh, I'm actually going to drive down there uh, for the game, and I, I just I feel like this is going to be a, a college football kind of a crowd. Just an absolutely crazy, uh, you know, apparently the entire city is just, is just off its rocker. With the Phillies right now, ticket prices are absolutely berserk. Uh, and my friends who live down there said it's, you, you can't talk to anybody, whether they're baseball fans or not, everybody's talking about the Phillies. And I just think this is going to be, uh, especially on Halloween night, uh, it's going to be a really interesting crowd tonight. So I've got a friend, Ted Beichman, who lives in Philadelphia and grew up in Philadelphia. And he said, when the Phillies got to the World Series, before it started, we had this telephone conversation in which he said, you cannot believe, it's one of the most important things in sports in the history of Philadelphia. Like, I, I pulled away from the phone. I mean, Philadelphia has won the World Series before. The Philadelphia 76ers have won the World Championship. The Philadelphia Flyers have won the World Championship. The Philadelphia Eagles have won the Super Bowl. And this was just getting to the World Series. 
Um, I think it's a much bigger deal in Philadelphia than I can imagine. And it leads me to this question. This is the sport that you follow. They're a pretty good team. How did they lose so many games this year? <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's a really good question. Their pitching wasn't quite as good. I mean, I think that if you want one, a one-word answer, it's bullpen. Their bullpen right. was terrible okay. uh, for the first couple months of the season. And this has really been a trend for them. They've been every year. I do all these free agency previews, and every year it's uh, what's this team's biggest need. And every year I'm writing, well, the Phillies are going to go back on free agent market looking for more bullpen help because they still can't get it right. And even when they make good signings, they still don't get it right. You know, they re- they signed David Robertson uh, four or five years ago to a two-year contract. He pitched seven games, and Tommy John surgery never pitched for them again. They got him back this year at the deadline. He's been very good for them. Um, but I think the bullpen has been the reason why this team has sort of started to gel. I think, you know, we, we, you and I have talked about this, the Girardi factor to Rob Thompson. I, I don't know how much to give that. I mean, uh, you know, to me, managers, and I've had this conversation with Joe Girardi, uh, managers are important, obviously. But they're not the reason the team wins or loses most games. Right? A good manager maybe impacts five games a year in the regular season, seven games a year in the regular season. So I can't say Girardi's the reason they were losing. I can't say Thompson's the reason they were winning. Um, they won a lot of games so they can hit the heck out of the ball. Yeah. And I think they lost a lot of games because they couldn't hold the lead when they got it. That makes sense to me. I do. I mean, thank you for mentioning Girardi. I just wondered, how do you think he's feeling? And do you uh, think that he'll never get another job again? Because people will say, well, look what they did without him. You know, He's won a World Series before. He's been to a lot of playoffs. Yep. Actually, he, he does an internet radio show, believe it or not, uh, a couple days a week. And I was on with him last week. And I, it was interesting, you know, sort of talking to the guy who got fired from the team that's now in the World Series. Uh, I don't know if you ever really find out how he feels about this. I know there are a lot of people there he really likes and a lot of people he's really happy for, players, coaches, etc. cetera. Uh, obviously, he and Rob Thompson go back a long way, yeah. you know, back to New York. Um, so I'm sure he's happy for some of the people there. I'm sure there's definitely a bit of a bittersweet, uh, you know, aspect of it of, of having gotten fired there five months ago, and now this team's in the World Series. Um, but I think Joe understands he wasn't the reason they were losing. He's not the reason they're winning. You know, his absence is not the reason they're winning. But at the same time, I'm sure it's, it's uh, got to be a little bit hard for him to to know that in his heart. I bet he believes that he uh, would have gotten this same turnaround result with this team uh, with the players that were there. I'll do one more baseball question here and feel free to tell me I'm an idiot. But as we look to see if there's one person who's the most important person in any matchup, uh, a lot of people would say Harper, maybe some would say Schwarber, maybe some would say Verlander. I would say Altuve. I mean, I think you saw that in game two. He jumps on the first pitch. I mean, I think if Altuve is hot, I think because he was nothing in the playoffs so far, and they won almost every game until game one here. I think if he gets hot, they win. What do you think? I certainly think it helps. He certainly sets the tone for that team. Um, the one thing is, in this, in this ballpark, you know, we saw Houston going to Yankee Stadium, um, what, a week and a half ago, and score a couple early runs and just, just take the crowd out of it completely. They just quieted the whole place down, and the Yankee fans never truly believed this team could come back when they got down against the Astros, and you could tell in the ballpark. I don't think you're going to have that same effect in Philly because, A, those Philly fans aren't quieting down for anybody, and, B, they just saw their team come back from 5-0 in Game yeah. 1. 
Yeah. So, I mean, maybe if it gets to 10 nothing, 12 nothing, or something <laughs> like that, maybe you'll quiet them down a little bit. But five-run lead, you're not quieting this crowd down. Altuve is the one guy who sets the tone for that team and can take a crowd out of it quickly. I mean, you saw what happened in game two, how into the game the crowd was. After four pitches, it was 2 nothing. Um and Altuve started that just by pouncing on that first pitch for a double. So, uh, yeah, Altuve is certainly the sort of the, the cog in the machine that makes it run. Um, Jordan Alvarez could certainly be a really important guy if he starts to heat up again. He had that huge first-round series against Seattle and uh, has been pretty quiet since, but every time that guy steps to the plate, you just you have to watch because he's, he's just so darn good. Um, friend of the show, Matt Quattraro, is now a big league manager, right? He is, uh, and he is a little, and I'm, I'm sure he's listening today. I mean, probably get him on, he could become a big. But he uh, he has been a raised bench coach for the last four years on Kevin Cash's staff, was on Terry Francona's staff with Kevin Cash prior to that. Uh, really well-regarded guy, 48 years old, um, you know, played in the minors, never, never had the big league career, but uh, one of these guys who you've just looked at and said, this guy's going to be a manager someday, and he interviewed for a number of managerial jobs. I know he interviewed for the Mets last year. Um, he interviewed this year uh, for at least one or two of the other team, other openings, and uh, I really think it's a good hire for a team in Kansas City. It's got a really young core, um, and on a personal level, he's a really nice guy, a good guy. This year, I was at Yankee Stadium one day, and, and a, another writer who knows Matt, came over to me and said, hey, uh, if you have time, stop over in the, in the Rays clubhouse. Matt Quattaro wants to talk to you. I said, okay, I'm trying to rack my brain. Did I write something about him? Did I write, you know, did I, is, am I going to get chewed out for something? Or I wrote about the Rays or whatever. Walk in, he walks out, he says, hey, I just wanted to say hi. I'm a big fan. I listen to you on Kornheiser all the time. This <laughs> is so great. It's just <laughs> it, so great. It, it, the, the connective tissue, Tony. This is what you talk about. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City, you know, that always looks like a two-year job because they don't win a lot of games and they don't have a lot of money on the other hand. You know, if you do well with a team that's not expected to do well, it becomes a five- or a six-year job, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, and look, this is a team that's... That's what we what, root for. Seven years ago, won the World Series and, right. and was there two years in a row. So we've seen that if you can put together that young core of players and then supplement it with one or two veterans from the outside, you can have that success. Well, I'll tell you, they've got some really nice young players. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be a star in this league. Um and they've got some good young pitching. I, I, I like where they're headed. And unlike some of the other teams you look at, you know, you look at, like, the Nationals rebuild and you say, well, but the Mets and the Braves and the Phillies are all in that division. Uh, oh, this is a winnable division. The Royals are playing in a very winnable division yeah. that does not appear to have a team that's going to be, uh, you know, a, a Goliath for the next five years. So, uh, you know, you put together a couple of pieces and, uh, and get the right guy in that manager's office, and I think uh, you know you get the right attitude going with a young team. Anything can happen. Uh, one other thing is is uh, is the Oakland franchise moving to Las Vegas? I mean, they've already got a hockey team, they've already got a football team. It's territory that obviously sports leagues want to be involved in. Is that what you're hearing? It certainly seems that way. Rob Manfred essentially came out and said it. Uh, you know, no. the A's. I give them some credit. It's not like this has been a team that's just said, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving. They've no. tried to get a new stadium. If you've been to the Oakland Coliseum, you know. Yep. You understand why they need a new stadium. It's the worst stadium in baseball. And I think, uh, you know, they've tried to get a stadium in 
three, four different locations. They just never get approved. And, you know, I think soon enough, professional sports in Oakland is going to be a thing of the past because we've seen the Raiders leave. Warriors. We've seen the Warriors go back to the other side of the bay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the A's will wind up in Vegas, and, uh, and uh, that'll be the end of pro sports, or at least major pro sports in Oakland. I have to say, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the Oakland Coliseum in my life, and the Oakland A's, from the time they were bought by Charlie Finley a million years ago, were an important franchise. They are an important franchise, and they do it on, you know, on string and toilet paper. I mean, they don't have any money, and they're competitive almost every year, not this year, but they've recently been in the playoffs. But you know what? And I feel this way about Miami. If nobody comes to the games, you know, move. Move so that somebody might see your games. I don't begrudge them moving. They stayed there an awfully long time. Nobody shows up. And they've tried. I mean, they've had all these campaigns and rooted in Oakland, and they were very proud of of their space in the Oakland landscape. Uh, But, you know, the stadium's terrible. And right now, look, people aren't coming to the games right now because the team's terrible and they're rebuilding and you can't, they traded everybody that anybody likes. uh, And they do that once every 10 years. And you know what? Two years from now, Billy Bean will have them back in the playoffs because that's the way that that team operates. Uh, They're in this little bit of a down cycle at the moment. But if you look at their their history, their year-by-year record and and whether they made the playoffs and what their payroll was, them and Tampa Bay are are two of the most successful teams at making something out of nothing. And totally, right. um, you know, totally if you can ever right. get them in a stadium with some revenue, guess what? Maybe they'll actually raise the payroll. Yeah. All right, thank you, Mark. Enjoy the game tonight. Have a good time down there. We'll talk to you before the series is over. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls, we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I love hot pink things. I love it. I love when she says, hey, Tony. <laughs> hey, Tony! Come on, come on. Hey, Tony! That mail now, baby. Why did they break up? I don't. I Why do not know. Up? Do you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad for us? Yes, we got the bagel sandwiches there. Always love that. Just go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say you shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill! Goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. The killer Jerry Lee Lewis passed away over the weekend at 87 years old. Um. Not Elvis Presley. Understand he's not Elvis Presley. But on the next step, he's standing and grinning and kicking away a piano chair. <laughs> on the next step. Thanks to our guest today, Michael Wilbon, Mark Feinsand. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, ButcherBox, FrameBridge, Trade Coffee. Use all of them, endorse all of them. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Scott in Lake Oswego, not in New York, but like Oswego, Oregon, after hearing about the series on your show, the woman I am related to by marriage and I decided to watch an episode. This is of Sprung, Greg Garcia's series. This quickly escalated to us binge-watching the entire series in a weekend. Sprung is probably the best comedy series we've seen in the past 10 years. Smart, funny, and surprisingly heartfelt with immensely likable characters. There's a lot of garbage being streamed these days, and Sprung is a diamond in the rough. Please continue to get the word out to all the little so a second season gets green-lighted. 
I think Greg probably has the ability to do that if he wants to do it. Yeah. If he wants to do it again, right? I, I would hope so. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. Uh, I know. would love it. I love that show. It was just brilliant. From Joseph Seltzer, Director of Media Relations at the Railway Arts Guild. My name is Joseph Seltzer. I'm the Director of Media Relations for the Railway Arts Guild. We are a nonprofit educational and performing arts guild based out of Atmore, Alabama. I'm a longtime little. has been following you since the days of PTI. Those days are still here. PTI and ESPN 980. I'd like to invite you, the rest of the gang, and any littles in the area to our production of Night of the Living Dead. The show dates are Friday, Saturday, and Monday at 7 p.m. That This is left today. Yes. Monday today, Halloween, 7 p.m., and we are performing outside at 180 Vines Lane in Atmore. Also, if there isn't anyone already in this position, I would like for Railway Arts Guild to be the official community performing arts guild of Tony Kornheiser show. Thanks for years of laughs and entertainment. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's so if you're anywhere near, and I don't know where Atmore, Alabama is, and you're looking for something to do tonight, 7 o'clock tonight, Night of the Living Dead. From Josh Peterson, with a D, not a T. Although I've listened since the ESPN days in the early 2000s, I've never had my David Aldridge moment until you read an email from Matt Brotherton from Richmond. See, in 2001, my childhood best friend graduating from Roanoke College uh, graduated from Roanoke College and was moving to Richmond. I was attending Sam Houston State in Huntsville, Texas. He called and said he needed a roommate in Richmond. I said, sure, why not? Among his friends from Roanoke who moved to Richmond was Matt Brotherton, or as we called him back then, the Wook. I left Richmond to move back to League City, Texas. I've not spoken to him since. Imagine my excitement hearing his email read in 2022 and knowing he's a member at Kinlock. <laughs> Sounds like I need to set up a trip to play with my old friend. The connective <laughs> tissue, Mr. Tony, knows no bounds. <laughs> Uh, here's another one. PG and I are driving to PGA on Saturday, and I'll be there till 12.31. PG away, 11.5 to 11.9, then 12.11 to 12.21. So when she's away, the boys can play. Why don't you and Michael come for a few days? Shabbat shalom, DG. <laughs> Just to set your golf schedule. Eileen Robinson, Rochester, Minnesota. My father, may he rest in peace, was a fan of the CD Graceland by Paul Simon. I thanked him for introducing me to this lyrical master. Poetry breathes through Paul Simon. The Littles will be bouncing into Graceland after listening to the whole CD. This is apropos because we talked about this the other day. Yes. It's one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest <laughs> really pieces is. of musical work ever. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It, it is that good. Uh, from David Andrews, Glenn Morangi rhymes with orangey. Oh, oh, Glenn Morangi rhymes with orangey. Right? Yes. Best single sell, best selling single malt in Scotland. Glenn Morangy. Is that how it would be pronounced? I'll trust the email. Okay. Yeah. Send us a From Steve the Sycophant. In case you haven't noticed, the Hallmark Channel is already in full Christmas mode. Here are a few of the upcoming epics. A Christmas treasure. With Mom's a writer, taking notes. With a writer meeting a charming <laughs> chef after opening a hundred-year-old time capsule. A Nashville Christmas carol where a workaholic producer receives a visit from her dead mentor who warns her about her path. And The Nine Lives of Christmas about a veterinarian and a stray cat teaching a confirmed bachelor about the value of love and companionship. How can you go, how can you go wrong here? Just turn the remote over to Carol and enjoy yourself. <laughs> <clears throat> from Bryson in Huntington Beach, California. I made the trek up to Eugene this past weekend with my father to watch the UCLA Bruins, this is last week, battle the Oregon Ducks at the famous Autzen Stadium. To summarize the contest, UCLA got waxed and it poured, as it does in some places Michael knows well. However, if you didn't already know, Eugene happens to be a healthy two-hour drive south from our arrival city of Portland. I was dreading the drive until I realized I'd be struck with a TK show lightning bolt on our way south. 
Driving southbound to Eugene on Interstate 5 takes you through none other than the Willamette Dammit Valley. <laughs> I could not believe my eyes <coughs> upon seeing the vast vineyards and Willamette Valley signage. Felt like a real David Aldrich moment. Picture of a classic Pinot attached. And that's attached. From Paul Scozafave from Grafton, Wisconsin. Last night, while sitting in my 12-outlet kitchen, paging through my high school yearbook, the Tartan, from Homestead High School in Mequon, Wisconsin, the town of 1976 Olympic gold medal speed skater Peter Muller and Academy Award-winning screenwriter John Ridley, I was catching up on some of your past podcasts and trying to figure out the fascination with all of your show's stupid games. Then a new game was introduced, the Crash the Littles Wedding Reception Game. <laughs> Finally, a topic on your podcast that is timely and relatable. Just so happens I'm a long-time little. I'm about to be related by marriage to a woman who has no idea who you are and how anyone could find this blather entertaining. Nothing would make her more angry than a bunch of unofficially <laughs> invited guests at her marriage party toasting us with TK salutes and chanting, Victor Wembenyana, Victor Wembenyana. If I'm going to push the envelope, I might as well push it on the first day of wedded bliss. We'd be proud to host you, your amazing co-podcasters, as well as any littles in the greater Milwaukee area. And I saved them by not reading this because it was on Saturday, okay. October 29th. Unlimited meatballs and sauce, dancing, <laughs> bowling, pool, darts, and drinks. We closed down a bowling alley for the night. Milwaukee's the bowling capital of the world, at least it was in the 20th century. Drinks at four, dinner at six. Please bring Edith Saliza um, and DG, Chuck Todd, T-Boy, and Reginald. Mr. Wilbon will not be welcome as he regards Milwaukee as Chicago's largest suburb. Also, <laughs> Chicago... Was that has that dumb duck pin bowling and they play softball with an oversized ball without gloves? What are we even doing here, man? So this is so. I hope his wedding was great. Yes, we I wish, hope it was great. Wish them well. Jeff Heisen, Silver Spring, Maryland. Binghamton's men's basketball team will be playing at Maryland on November fifteenth. Will you be there? It's a seven p.m. start, so you can see half the game. Don't know. Not sure. Yeah. From Steve Sigourney in Big Sky, Montana, who emails a lot. We love Steve. I recently caught my 13-year-old daughter watching the Hallmark Channel, and I was thinking maybe Marin and Carol could do a play date. The holidays would be best since Marin's in seventh grade, plus I think that's when the Hallmark Channel really ramps up their gazebo programming. We're happy to fly to D.C., or if Carol wants to get some skiing in, she's welcome to our extra bedroom here in Big Sky. Let us know, and please tell Brian Stump for the band, damn it, Lauren, he can eat it too. Uh, more on this. Nick Mielke, Montgomery, Alabama, was perusing the Facebook this morning, discovered something that I feel you need to know about. Hallmark Channel Wines. <laughs> yes, you read that right, right wines. You read that right. Wines you can sip while you watch your favorite gazeboed holiday spectaculars from the comfort of your own kitchen sink. Does Carol know? If not, perhaps you've just landed on our next great surprise gift. I included a couple of screenshots for you, including one of the Hallmark winemaker. I mean, he's no Dave Spector, but whatever. Who knew that TV network winemaking was a career option we had available to us? I'm going to need to have words with my high school guidance counselor from 25 years ago. And one more, from Gary Van Giesen. Tony, there have been many epic rivalries in New York sports, Giants, Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Rangers, Islanders, but none can compare to this, this is last week's contest, which ended with the score, Fordham 45 Stony Brook 14, and it wasn't that close. <laughs> Eat it, Stony Brook. If you're out on your bike time, as always, do wear white. Now, if there's anything I can do for you, but I certainly hope you'll die soon. Amor, <laughs> querido, what do you say? 
we ride down to the Mexico border Take a dive in the waters of the Rio Grande We can wash all our troubles away Amor querido, you are just like me You are happiest when you are running You got love in your fingers and a song on your lips You got eyes that say I'll never stay Hey darling, what you gonna do? If you're going, I will come with you Down to Las Cruces And the cypress by you All I know is I like talking to you Amor querido We'll live off the land We'll make love by the light of the fire We don't know how to ration all that passion brings And by the morning we'll be shivering Oh, amor querido, still I'd rather burn out Than to live in the shade of great mountains Back at home lies the loving of an old stone house But he could not set me free Hey darling, what you gonna do? If you're going, I will come with you Down to Las Cruces and the Cypress Bayou All I know is I like talking to you the stories of a million. 
Ghosts dwell in the fixtures and the walls And they disappear like the mist As it rises off the highway Where nights are too quiet and too loud And they tug at your dreams in the middle of the day They say the devil you know Ready better than the devil Stage lights and the miles will never show But the riches I bring you are nothing but trinkets Mere currency between strangers And if you ever loved me, you would let me go So goodbye, Antoine Saint-Exupéry And all you intrepid wanderers Goodbye, Amelia of unfinished cathedrals to the pulsing heady calling of the southern cross I watched it pour like a flood on the surface of Lake Erie been talking to my GPS I've been talking to God I suspect it may be written in my Castles of sand will not stand beyond the winter. The crow flies in the trail of Evangeline. Maybe we wore our hearts too free on the nights when we were touted on the marquees of that fleeting drop of time. So goodbye, Antoine Saint
goodbye.